I'm AC Brown, and you're listening to Is My Aura On Straight, a podcast designed to help you start living from your core instead of your conditioning. Each week, we'll have deep conversations that will help you create a powerful transformation that shifts your perspective in life, love, and business, with topics ranging from spiritual self-development, human design, astrology, metaphysics, and everything in between. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Is My Aura On Straight? I am your host, AC Brown. I am your psychic channel, spiritual confidant, and I want to thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Is My Aura Straight? And today I have a special guest, Joel Leon, and he is an amazing storyteller and he tells stories for Black people and he is an amazing communicator. And as you can see from the title of this podcast, feelings aren't facts. There are two sides to every emotion. And today we have Joel and he's going to talk about, we're going to talk about emotions and so many other things, but welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm thankful. Um, I'm thankful for uh, you creating the space and allowing me to kind of share, share in this shared space. This is, this, this is cool. Um, I'm, I'm a fan. Well, thank you so much. And Joel is the first man on the podcast. He won't be the last. So hand clap for that. Where's the, where can I, can I, where can I get them, uh, them dance hall sounds? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm from, I'm from Queens. So I know all about every single. That's what I'm saying. I need all that. Yeah. All of that. All, all of that. that. Let, running Utica back. Avenue, yeah. everything. Let's just get it right. Um, so the reason why I wanted to bring on a man for this particular episode because I find men have a fascinating um, way of thinking and talking about emotions that women necessarily not saying that we don't but it takes us a little bit uh, more time to push push past the bullshit if you want to say and get to Mm -hmm. like the nitty-gritty so Mm -hmm. what I know for sure is that feelings can get in the way of clear communication and create misunderstandings that may be necessary unnecessary and sometimes necessary to the overall goal of what you're trying to convey what are your thoughts about that in general about feelings and communications and misunderstandings i i think a lot of especially when we're talking about misunderstandings and miscommunication a lot of that is us not being able to step outside of our feelings to look at how our projections, how our biases are playing a role and how we're showing up in those spaces, right? So you can take, for example, if you're having an argument about something as simple as, I don't know, throwing out the garbage or who is going to be responsible for what, you know, when it comes to cleaning or household duties, whatever the case, whether that be in a roommate situation, familial, like aunt, uncle, or that could be a more romantic, like we are together, we are partnered. Um, people are coming, we're coming from, we're bringing our own experiences into this space that, that, that we're sharing. And what tends to happen is when, when, when our feelings kind of get in the way, when, when the, the, the tension gets heightened, we can't see enough outside of ourselves to see what is really going on here. Right. Like, am I am I really mad about this thing that we're talking about or is it about something bigger? 
and feelings where we're not actively investigating them can, 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 can serve as roadblocks to that kind of clarity because you, 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 it's hard to see straight. You know, you'll hear people say like they see red, you know, like, like when they're mad because they don't see anything else. And it's, it, and, and it, it's important. It's an important distinction to make, I think, because feelings are important. We're supposed to feel things. The, the, the problem lies when we're not looking at what are like, are feelings really ours in this moment? Or are they being, are they, I don't want to say contaminated because that's not the right turn of phrase, but are they being distorted based on a number of different factors? Because we got into an argument before we walk into the house um, that your partner could have said something to you prior to this, to, to this moment that's affecting how um, you're showing up. Your feelings could also hinder you from seeing, okay, well, maybe when this person said this, that's a triggering response for you. That has nothing to do with the person who said it, but somebody else who might've said it in a way that made you feel less than. So now your response in the situation is not about this situation, but something prior to that had the same kind of intensity. Um, when we're not aware of our feelings, they, they distort how we're showing up in those present moments and in, in those spaces we're afforded. Uh, I agree with all of that. In your phenomenal TED Talk, you talked about co-parenting. Um, yes. How did you communicating your feelings better make you a better co-parent in, in that situation? Mm, I think that's such a great question. I was being more transparent. And I think I was being honest and being honest in a way that uh, I, I bounce around, but, but the, I, I've never been a big fan of like the cold truth or the hard truth, or, you know, I'm just going to, I'm brutally honest. Right. Um, right. Um, lovingly honest is, is, is the language I used to prescribe um, situations that, that, that I want to be my most authentic self in when I'm speaking, when I'm talking, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes I get, uh, I get in my bag and feelings. Right. Um, and I'm not being present. I think for me, what I realized was I was doing a lot of appeasing, like doing things that I thought were going to help the co-parenting relationship, but they weren't because I was, I wasn't being honest about what I needed, what I wanted and what, um, what was going to most benefit me in the situation because I thought it wouldn't either a be fair to her as a co-parent or it was going to maybe make her like me less as a co-parent or blame me as opposed to saying, I don't want to do this today. In fact, I can't do this thing today because I have something that I have planned. And this thing is really important to me. It's important for my mental health. It's important for my spiritual health. And so I have to do it. You need to figure it out. You know, for me, it was a very hard, and really what we're talking about as I'm talking through this is, is, is boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, like I didn't know how to set clear boundaries and I was afraid to set clear boundaries because I thought that would drive a wedge in our co-parenting relationship, which it didn't. It created tension. Um, it, created, it created opportunities to communicate. And sometimes those things did not go the way that I wanted them to. Um, but what it did is it created a standard, right? Mm. And that standard allowed us to operate from a space of honesty where it's like, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't have to give you a reason as to why I don't want to do that. And not in a way that was bitter or I'm going to, I'm saying this because I want to get back at you, but this is, this is the thing that I want to do right now or the thing I'm making time for is important to me. And so right now I can't take life. 
who 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 is our um our five year old our magical five year old daughter or I can't pick her up today but maybe we can I can move something around for tomorrow so you can blah blah whatever like but it, it was me being honest and transparent about what I needed first and foremost and creating those boundaries that facilitated the kind of relationship where we could openly communicate on both of our parts because she was doing that work as well right um. You know, but it that that created clarity for the both of us, you know? I love that. And so what led you as a Black man to doing your work, to tapping into your feelings, to tapping into your emotions, spirituality, all those things that you might have been taught were like, that's not what you do. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, that is, um, there's a lot of layers to that answer. And thank you for, thank you for asking. Um, I, I was trying to figure out what was wrong. You know, I was trying, there were things that were happening in, in, in relationships and I was doing reading, reading helped, reading played a, a, a significant role in that. A few books. It was, um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. Mm, that's um, a good one. Gary Zukov, Seat, Seat of, the, of soul. the Soul. Yeah. And I forget the actual name of Ayanna Von Zandt's book, but it was a book that was directly, it was directed towards black men. It came out in the 90s. Oh, what was it called? Oh man, I know that, I know that. No, I, I know, I know which one you're talking about. I'm going to put it yeah. in the show notes, but I know. Yeah, please. yeah, and so like, I remember finding that book was, that book actually started me on the road to looking at things in that way, because it was the first, it was, I was having a lot of quiet moments and quiet time and I was in a situation a loving situation, but a difficult one as far as the, the relationship I was in at the time goes. And I remember reading it and I remember her using words like surrender. And she was talking a lot about the black male experience. And some of it, some of the language is a little outdated. Yeah, you know a little, it's, just it's a very, tad, just a tad. You know what I'm saying? It's like real old school, like right. black patriarchy shit. But yes, for I, me- Ayala Van Zandt, I like to say I love her with all my heart, but we're in the same age bracket. That's like our mother's yeah. kind of spiritual guru guide. I, absolutely. And, you know, I love you for saying that because part of what is it like, you don't have to throw everything away. Right. I mean, this is kind of a tangent. I think sometimes as a community, we do a bad job of kind of throwing the bath and the baby and the bath water out. Yes. It's like some of this doesn't work, but some of this is actually important. And when she was talking about surrender, there were like words she had broken out like different titles. And so I had written those out on cards and I wrote mm. down the definitions specifically for what she prescribed. And I would read those every single day. Granted, it did not feel like those things were working in the relationship. I was trying those things and it wasn't working. But what I realized was, okay, there's something here that's speaking to me. And so that curiosity led me to continue to read and continue to ask more questions. And honestly, the more I listened to Black women, the more I realized that Black women were saying, we need help here. And me having to ask myself, what am I not doing enough of? Or what have I been doing? Like, how, I, how have I been misogynistic? How have I leaned into misogynoir? How have I been I've been a person who's essentially not an advocate, but potentially harmful to the community in what ways, whether it be the way I was talking to women, whether the way, whether it was the ways I was engaging in relationships, like what, what were the mindsets and how can I, um, how can I create a safer space for black women in the community? And, and I, and I'd like to say this happened before I had my first daughter, you know, I have two girls, you know, and I, I think sometimes we as men use the, use that kind of use that energy that's like you know 
you know, I didn't understand until I had daughters. And it's like, you have, you have mothers, you have sisters, sister-in-laws, you have cousins, you have teachers. There are women who are next to you, who are asking you, who are telling you, demanding really like, this is, these are the things we need and we want. And so for me, as a person who wants to continue to grow, I have to continue to challenge and ask myself those kinds of questions. The same way, the same way we as men, we, we want to challenge our physical. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going right. to keep working out. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get my six pack. I'm gonna challenge myself in the kitchen. I'm gonna challenge myself spiritually. And spiritually though, not in the, I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna go to the mosque. I'm gonna read the book. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna, I'm gonna practice, you know, and I'm gonna pray, but spiritually, like what is my energy like? And how am I showing up in spaces? Am I creating brave spaces or harmful spaces? You know, and I could see progress because the energy was coming back to me, Mm. you know? Um, but it, it, it started with really with me seeing, feeling like things weren't working and then looking inside of myself instead of outside of myself and asking why they weren't working. And so while you were dealing with that, because in the work that I do and the people who listen, when those emotions come up, it's, as I like to say, it's not all love and light. So what did you do to, mm-hmm. how, how did, how did you rectify that because you do have to go to the you have to surrender to the shadow when those emotions Mm. come up because we push them behind we try and say Mm. oh i'm over it it's all good but then when you're working on it it's like wait a minute where'd this come from why am i aching why am i in pain Uh so how how was that process of getting you from there to where you are now I mean, to be honest, I actually missed the crucial step in the previous question you asked me, which I think directly correlates to what you're asking me now. I mean, I also, like, my my former partner, who's actually one of my really great friends now, um, one of the mandates that we had before we broke up was for me to go to therapy. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It was like, if we want to if we want to revisit this partnership, you need to go to therapy. And I had been wanting to go to therapy for the longest anyway. It was the first time I had been pushed to do so, and partially because, you know, I had my own experience with like um, childhood molestation and sexual trauma um, and, and also like suicidal ideations. Like I had, I, I tried to harm myself in college. There were things that had happened that had led me towards this path. And so I was like, well, therapy feels like, yeah, let's do that. Um, all that to say that therapy played a role in also me having some level of foundation for doing the shadow work. Right. Because that that is a dark place. Uh, dark, um, dark, you know, dark, dark. It's, it's, <laughs> like, as someone who is I'm I'm back in therapy and not in, yeah. in, in a different space right now. When I went the mm-hmm. first time, I was dealing with a lot of grief. I had a lot of death mm-hmm. or loss all in a span yeah. of about a year and a half. Several yeah. things happened in my early 20s and yeah. now revisiting it. It's like, oh, I thought I dealt with that, though. And then it's just like, <laughs> wait a minute. There's a different layer to it now and a different awareness because I've yeah. lived for a, such a big chunk of dealing with it to where I am now. It's like I'm not revisiting the actual trauma and pain. I'm revisiting the awareness in my body. Mm, I love And, you know, it, it's I don't want to compare something to COVID, but. When I think about how the virus mutates, I think our triggers can essentially do the same, yes. right? Like we go through different phases and, and these, we are, what I want to, what I want us to understand and subscribe to, and I, I see you're already there, but like us as a community is like, 
Growing doesn't mean I don't have triggers anymore. It doesn't mean I don't have pain anymore. It means I'm better equipped, right? To, to handle deal. it. Because I thought exactly. that I just didn't have them anymore. And then it's just like, wait, why am I, why am I being triggered? This is weird. Yeah. Like, hold yeah. on. What's going on? Time like, I handled on. this. Right? Like, t- right, time out. I handled this. Yeah. Why am I being triggered? And then it's like, okay, but I handled it, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, you're checking in. You're uh-huh. like, but I I talked uh, about this with someone, right? So like, why is this, right? Like, why is this bothering yeah. me now? Yeah. After all I mean, of these years. It's, it's, it's why I love Buddhism so much, if I'm being completely honest. Buddhism has played a really, that's another thing. Buddhism has played a really big part in how I balance things. Because for me, the essence of Buddhism and, and, and practicing Buddhism really comes back to finding the balance and recognizing that we need to be able to give as much space for the joy as we do the pain, because both mm. are always going to exist within each other. Like it doesn't, it doesn't go anywhere. We think that like the, all the moments are fleeting and the more we can recognize that this is a transient experience that we're having, right. that even when we transition, this is not permanent. Nothing is right. permanent, you know, besides the, 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 the transitioning that's happening. And so tapping into that allows us to recognize you know, there's just another, like you said it yourself, you said it so wonderfully well, there's another layer to it. And there's another feel, there's another texture to whatever we're having to process. And so when we go through the thing when we were 14 and we're like, yo, why am I still having issues with relationships? You also have to look at the context in which we're dealing with these relationships. You know, like you being a 21 year old black man or black woman, a non-binary person, who maybe doesn't have the tools, who then grows into a 35-year-old who does have the tools, having to realize that you need different tools for when you're 35 than when you were 21. Like the same tools that I was using to get me by in this period are different because maybe now I'm a dad or maybe I have a different job or I'm in a different city. There's so much context. There's so many things that color the experience. And if we're not taking all of those things in, we're missing the opportunity to really deal with the present moment and the triggers that are affecting how we're showing up in the world. Absolutely. Everything that you said. Absolutely. And so (laughs) when we talk about it from that vantage point of how do we separate the feelings from the facts? How do we do that? (laughs) That, How do we do that? Man, it's a it's a it's a question I'm still trying to finesse the right answer to, because when I tell people I'll say on my on my Twitter IG a lot, like live in your truth. And thank you for asking me this because it's important because my nephew, my beautiful nephew, he's going to be 21 this year. We Aww. talk a lot about truth. Yeah, he, he's a growing young man. It's wild because I used to take him to college to impress the girls. And now, and now, because he was like a little cute, you know, right. he's cute, you know, sad. But when I think about him now and the conversations we had, like really voice notes with each other. And he like, and we'll talk about the truth. And what I emphasize to him when, as much as I can is about living in his authentic truth and, and, some of that is it's simple. Like for me, examples are intuition and how men, especially black men, are generally not taught to, to, to lean into intuition, but what we do it. When you, when I listen to hip hop MCs or rappers or gangbangers or whomever talk about going in spaces and feeling like something is off, that is intuition. That is our bodies telling us, our, our, our systems, our nervous systems telling us there is something that is making us uncomfortable. I can't see it, maybe, but I can feel it. And that same intuition guides us, can guide us. And that intuition is our truth. And that truth gets cultivated when we're continuously being honest about who we are. And who we are, if we're talking through the lens of Buddhism, is 
everything and nothing at the same time, mm. which can sometimes feel like a complicated issue. But like what I've learned, what I keep learning to do is detach myself from the idea of a self. Mm. So like if when we think about how we talk about ourselves sometimes and like, so when we get to the truth of who we are, which is, I think love, I think love is the truth of, of who we are. And then the world kind of beats us the fuck up and then we alter or shift or pivot based on what we think the world wants from us and wants us to be. But when I think about the, 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 the detaching from self, it's like, we'll say, you know, I'm always like, I just get angry when da 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 da, or I'm, I'm best when da 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 da. And that could very well be true. But detaching from self means that that gets that image of self gets to change so that if something as simple as I vote Democrat. Right. I, I think the real idea is like I have a certain set of values and there's certain things I've identified as a truth. I'm also open me, myself, Joel. I'm open to that truth changing tomorrow based on what is happening. That doesn't mean I'm wishy-washy, but what it does mean is that my values are are intrinsically directed by spirit. And they're not connected to a, a set notion of what it has to be in order for it to be deemed the true for me, if that makes sense. No, it makes so, all the sense. Right. So part of that is just leaning into that as much as possible. Like, what, where else can I detach myself from? Like, am I always this person in a relationship? Am I like I hate constants in, in general, like always, never, because those tend to not be our true. So right. you're not always anything. The same way you're never anything else. You're, we're a mixture of all these things in the cosmos. So for me, the truth of that is, is this, is this loving? Am I being loving in this space? And loving doesn't necessarily mean appeasing, but loving means I'm kind, I'm intentional, I'm aware, I'm honest, right? Like all those things, I think, allow us to encompass that spirit and energy of, of being truthful and, and being honest with ourselves in the moments we're afforded. I love that. So with your awareness and where you are right now, because many of the women who listen, mostly are women, listen to this podcast and some of the struggles that happen is I'm trying to get my man to be into this just like me, or I'm trying to get him to, you know, get on my spiritual wavelength. And I even have clients like he's tripping because I brought crystals home and all of this stuff. And it's just (laughs) like, what are you doing with this? Like, you need to pray. And like, it's just this when women are in this like kind of shift emotionally and doing like growing, sometimes their partners have a challenging time of understanding that and where you are, Mm -hmm. where you have an awareness already what is your advice to anyone listening who's in a relationship who their partner just might not be on the same wavelength emotionally on the spiritual path that they are on? How can they, I don't want to say drag them along, but what, cause you, you know, when you are, you love somebody, you don't want to like end it with them because they don't want to carry a crystal in their pocket or something like that or they're you know you're moving away from religion or you're seeking you know you're doing buddhism whatever how do you kind of rectify that well i i think that's a beautiful question ac and besides getting on tinder i would say no i mean because i'll tell you this because you can't can't make anybody do anything they're not ready to do Right. I think what you can do is create space to have conversations about your journey, you know, and your practice or what, or what you're trying to practice and what you're learning. And the more you can have these kind of conversations without judging, they might be judging, 
Hopefully they're not. But if they are, it's not our job, man, woman, whomever, to to defend our practice or force other people to become a part of that practice. I think there's also ways to, to combine the practice. Like if you are leaning more or less towards a spiritual-based practice that has less to do with religion and more to do with tarot cards or like numerology or astrology or whatever the case might be, all of which, if one can honestly argue, is very much biblical, is very much also rooted in a lot We're of not going to go there. That would be a whole, whole you know three-hour show. Right. But, you know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. Jesus, Muhammad. You know, right, right. Let's, you know, uh, <laughs> right. Another, another episode, you know, part two. Right. Um, but, but, but I think, you know, brothers, you know, we, we hard-headed. And, and men, we, we like, I mean, in women, y'all do a fantastic job of making us think ideas are ours, which we appreciate. Yeah, that's um, <laughs> But I think part, right? It's, like, it's, it's easy. But, but, but I think part of the work is he's going to have to want it for himself at some point in time. And normally what that happens is, what happens is a man is going to reach a crossroads for himself. Right. That's going to bring into question a lot of the things that he has been taught by people who have told him this is a truth. He's going to hit a wall. That wall is going to say, wow, people told me this, this, and this is true. But what I'm seeing doesn't feel like what they've been telling me. And then you start asking questions. And men generally are not taught to ask questions. Black men, you know, you put your head down, you do your work. Right. That's what you do. And you do it well. But you start asking questions, that's when you lose your job. You know, like there's a history behind and a context behind curiosity leading to loss, whether it be a loss of income, a loss of life, whatever. So for men, it's, it's, it's us having to get there on our own terms and then having to deal with that. But if the space is created to have the conversation, I think that's part one. But I think part two is having a broader conversation of if you're carrying crystals in your pocket and your man is not approaching you in a way that makes it feel like it's open and safe for you to do that, but more like judging, you need to, I, I would beg to ask, where else is that energy being carried? Right. And, to, and because it's normally not just there. Right. It's, it's that was just like places. the catalyst to like putting the pointing the finger. Cause that's what happened yeah, to me it, in my long term, my ex, my long, one of my long term yeah. relationships, when I started to really dive into my gifts that were already, you know, my grandmother, she's hmm. from the South. She's, yeah. you know, I have the gift as, you know, the Southern people mm, say. So, you know, yeah, she knew yeah, that. Yeah. And as they started yeah. just coming back up and things, yeah. he was just like, oh, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, I'm just doing what I know, know how to do. And, <laughs> you know, nothing, you know, just doing what I know how to do. Like this, I, I was more suppressing myself mm, in, in the relationship yeah. than actually you being aware of it. That, that, <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Now, but whatever. <laughs> it's another. It's another thing. <laughs> I, but no, you are speaking. You are speaking so much truth, and I think this goes, you know, for the for the ladies. Hopefully, there's some brothers maybe listening or whomever. Like, however you how however you identify the idea that when you are suppressing your voice, you like you said, gift, and I think that's such a beautiful way to describe it because it is. It's a gift. The gift of breath, the gift of now, the gift of being able to show up as your most authentic self. So that means if you twerk on Wednesdays and go to the strip club on Thursdays, but then go to Bible study on Fridays, you know what I'm saying? Like that gets to be you and right, finding a person. Wrong and a, with that. 
and finding a community that's in support of that. Because then what happens is we all stop living in the shadows. You know, like I think of Lauren Hill, last thing, Lauren Hill, when she talks about in the Unplugged CD, she talks about, she says something about lifting up her shirt and showing that she has a belly button and everybody else going, oh, oh, you have a belly button? And then they, they lift their shirts because they like, I have a belly button too. Right. The more we step outside of our own shadow selves, the more other people feel inclined to do the same. You know? I love that. 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 So my last question to you is, and this just came to me, um, if you Yay, could tell yourself something it literally one year ago, what would you tell yourself? Get ready. <laughs> get Okay. Get ready. Get ready. And get ready in the most optimistic, like the get ready in the, in the most optimistic way. And also in, in the most prepared way for what was going to happen, get ready and please enjoy this. Cause mm-hmm. if I would have known, if I would have known the pandemic was happening, I would have held some hugs a little longer. Mm. I would have stayed out a little later. You know, I would have done maybe less work, you know, um, but get let, last year was one of the, the most productive years I've had as a human being, if I'm being completely honest. And I just wasn't, I was prepared for it. And that's why it happened, but prepared for it. Like, I just didn't see it coming. So right. when I say get ready, it's like, bruh, it's about to be on. So like, there were so many, I was, I benefited from so many opportunities, but a lot of that came from the foundation and, and the seed planting that I had done years ago, six, seven right. years ago, we're talking about building community with people that I care about and doing things not for the bag, but for the love, knowing that the bag would come if I was ready for it, mm. you know? So getting ready was a large part of that. It was like setting up relationships with people that maybe weren't popping at the time, but I just saw a vision in them. And so I was like, we, we align. And that mattered more to me than what could I get from that. Right. And then you fast forward and there's opportunities created from those relationships. So to me, from whether it was last year or the year before, it's about get ready. Is probably what I would tell myself. Okay. And what would you tell yourself next year from this point today? I told you so, I think. Okay. I like that. There, there's a lot of there's I've you know this I'm there's just a lot of um, good that I think that's been kind of circumventing the work that I've been trying to do um, for a while now and I've been to I've been there's been a story I've been telling myself since I was like six or seven years old about myself and art and like how I make art and making art that that is black as fuck but. I wasn't saying that when I was six, but what I was saying when I was six was like, I wanted, I, I just want to make things. Mm. I want to make things that matter, you know? And the older I've gotten, I'm 38 now. Um, the older I've gotten, the better the work has gotten and the bigger the opportunities have gotten. And I've been telling myself that. And so I, the more I've trusted in that, the more that trust has led to opportunity, you know? That's awesome. Well, where can the people find you? What's next? What do you have coming out this year? If you can say anything. Yeah. Sans those NDAs. You know, you can't tell everything all the time, but at least the next three months, right? (laughs) Keep it on the low and low, on the low, low. Um, You know, there's a podcast tentatively happening. Um, There's a um, I'm, I'm still working through my first essay collection, which I'm really excited about. Nice. So shout out to Folio Literary, my agents over there who are 
helping me get through this process of potential of getting my book in the hands of a publisher. So, you know, we're looking at 2022, 2023 for something along those lines. Um, starting to work on this poetry album um, that, that, that I've been uh, delaying, but finally feeling ready to get done. Um, and, you know, just the, the work I'm doing now, continuing to write, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm currently a, col- uh, a columnist at, um, at Ebony, which I'm really excited about. Oh, yeah, first. I saw that on your Twitter. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, we, we you know, uh, the introduction um, was this past Sunday. So every week I'll be issuing a column around wellness and, and, and healing and self-care and love and, and all the other, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today and, and some other topics as well. Um, and you know, I think that's pretty much it. Just out here in these Brooklyn streets, you know, trying to, you know, looking forward to getting getting together with community again and, and building and other stuff that I can't even imagine yet that I'm hoping is will will, will be just as epic and, and just as magical. So that's awesome. Well, I'm excited for you yeah. and thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. For sure. No, thank you. This is great. This is great. This is a great. So concept. thank you all to listening to another episode of Is My Or on Street. I'll put all this stuff in the show notes so you can find Joelle and all the books we recommended. Until next time, make sure you all have an amazing day filled with good vibes and great energy. And remember, don't let anybody fuck with you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Is My Aura On Street. This podcast was produced by Callie Green and edited by Adam Ross. If you loved this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Also, make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, bye-bye.